Good afternoon, my renegades. Welcome back to Rogue Radio. And yes, I am doing two episodes today. Yeah, I don't know why. I have the energy, but my mouth will not keep up with me today. I don't know. I don't know. But we'll we'll just we'll just we'll just get into it. Uh, the politics first, of course. I already talked about um, the most important things on my last one. Um, this one is probably gonna be, I don't know, I don't even know if it's gonna be lighter, but we'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. As always, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, links will be down in the description below. Thank you. So I'm not sure, I have actually recorded a little bit of this before but I don't know if it actually went through but we're gonna we're gonna talk about it again just because my mind doesn't actually recall me publishing this and now my phone's dying that's nice we're gonna rip through this real quick though Virginia trans professor accused of defending adult child sex hired by Johns Hopkins University A transgender professor who resigned from a Virginia university uh, after sparking outrage by complaining that pedophilia is a stigmatizing term has been hired by prestigious John Hopkins University. Alan Walker, a former assistant professor at Old Dominion University who is a biological female, identifies as non-binary and created a firestorm last November by pushing the term minor attracted person as an alternative to the stigmatizing um, designation of pedophile. Is this really where we are at in society? Like, this isn't news to me. I know that there are people out here trying to push pedophilia as some sort of sexuality. Um, It's not. You're victimizing children and it's you're a gross trash person. All right. Um, I don't understand why any adult would want to literally victimize a child either and say, oh, it's my, um, my sexuality. No, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. I usually try not to curse on here, but fuck you. Walker, author of a book called A Long Dark Shadow, Minor Attracted People and Their Pursuit of Dignity. There is no dignity in that, you dumbass. There is no dignity in touching a child inappropriately. You don't appropriate that. You do not make that appropriate. That is not appropriate. This is why I do the pedophile episodes. And you know what? This person is going to be the next one. Just because. Just because. Let's see. Actually, you know what? I have wanted to make an episode of maps. Just minor attractive people as a a topic. So we're going to talk about that at some point later on. Maybe next week or in a few weeks. But I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, there is no dignity in trying to fuck a child. 
you need to be arrested. But she resigned after um, being put on leave, but has now resurfaced at Baltimore School's Moore Center for Prevention of Sexual Abuse. I don't know whether this is actually planned or if this is actual real life. Is it both? I have no idea. How can a pedophile, transgender, male, non-binary, whatever the fuck you want to call yourself, sorry, there are so many genders and sexualities out there, I get dizzy, okay? Um, you are actually saying that it's okay to victimize children, but you're also a part of the Moore Center of Prevention of Sexual Abuse. How does that work? How does that how does your conscience work when you're literally saying sexual abuse towards minors is okay, but you also work to fight against the prevention of st- How are you preventing sexual abuse when you're actually promoting it with your damn book? See, this is why I feel like sometimes we live in a simulation because things are not lining up at all. Th- this world is getting way too crazy. I... Uh, this is stupid. <laughs> I, I want to laugh because it's so ridiculous. This person has literally made a, made a book wrote a book on how pedophiles need to have dignity and that they shouldn't be stigmatized because of, you know, people calling them pedophiles. You're rightfully being called a pedophile because you are, because you either have thoughts of victimizing a child or you've actually done it or you're planning on it. That is a pedophile. No one wants their child to be victimized. No right no parent in their right fucking mind would want a child, their child, to be victimized like that. So, yeah, no. And the thing is, this is sad because there are children out there that actually do want the, um, the action because it's, they've been conditioned to thinking that it's okay. We've talked about child trafficking and how some peop- some kids are, like, they think that they're being engaged in play while they're doing sexual acts. This is no different. Especially if you're grooming a child to do what you want them to do. That, that's pedophilia. That's manipulation and pedophilia. And I will not stand for that. I don't care whether you're gay, straight, bi, non-binary, traffic light, pansexual Buddhist. I don't care what you are if you choose to victimize a child. I have no respect for you. No respect for you at all and I will call you a pedophile to your damn face while you cry. Because I'm sure you're one of those set, very sensitive... Um, what do you call them, SJWs that can't actually take the feeling of being offended because, oh my god, I'm so triggered. Have I summed it up enough for you? How sick 
I am of society right now. We are excited to share that Alan Walker, PhD, how the fuck did she get a PhD? Yeah, I called her a she, I don't give a shit. She will be joining the Moore Center as a postdoctrinal fellow on May 25th, the Moore Center tweeted. Okay. Old Dominion University put Walker on leave last November after an an interview Walker gave to the Protasia Foundation to promote the book. Um, In the interview, Walker insisted that the term minor attracted person is a preferable alteration to pedophile or alternative to pedophile. It's less stigmatizing when other terms like pedophile, Walker said, a lot of people, when they hear the term pedophile, they automatically assume that it means a sex offender. And that isn't true. And it leads a lot of misconceptions about attractions towards minors. I don't care! You're trying to weasel your way around the fact that you are a pedophile. Sir, ma'am, whatever. I... (laughs) I... I don't know when. I'm so full of hot air right now. Like, I'm so pissed. When will I run out? I don't know. (laughs) I don't think I'll ever run out. Because this world is just giving me so many things to talk about. Uh, Like I said, pedophiles... They need to be just stranded on their own island without any children, without any resources to get them out or away from the island. And they should just, like, burn to death on that island. I don't care. Minor attracted people? Are we really... We're really in this right now. We're really at this point. America's really at this point where... I'm so offended that you call me a pedophile, so therefore I must have my own sexuality to be dignified. No. What's- you know what is gonna be next, though? You know what's gonna be next? Is when murder ends up becoming an identity for people. Oh, I'm a murderer, and they're somehow gonna find some sort of fancy, soft-ass name for that. And people are going to be on a killing spree. And everything is going to be much more chaotic. I I don't know if that's ever going to happen. But then again, I didn't think that um, pedophile... I'm so mad that my tongue can't keep up with me. I never thought that we would ever see the day when pedophilia is being pushed as a sexuality. So, why not murderers? Why not? I'm sure that there are people that are, they're just going to, they're going to find a way. They're going to find a way to make that an identity. 
they're going to make sure that that becomes a legit fetish because there are per- there are people out there that actually murder people because they they get off on it sexually hey being a murderer might actually become the latest trend the latest sexuality and identity ain't that nice I can't wait for the fancy name that they come up with them for them I can't even think of one blood attracted person I don't know a mauler I I don't know I, I, I only laugh because it's like how far will you go to push the line further in order to include people who do wrong How far are you going to push that line in the sand? Who else are you going to include? And you know what? Speaking of murder, we're going to find a story, but I I have uh, watched some uh, YouTube video of someone saying that TikTokers are actually sympathizing with a murderer saying that he's too cute to go to jail. I'm not lying. I'm gonna have to go find that article, so give me a second. Okay, so background, um, this actually, this is actually from Newsweek. Let me see if I can find a different one. I don't really go for tabloids, but let's see here. You're gonna look with me because I'm lazy. Um, insider, insider, don't care about insider, already did YouTube, no. Rolling Stone, New York Times. You know what? We're just gonna do Fox. Oh no, hang on, that was the wrong one. Y'all are dumb. Can you can someone tell me why all of the articles covering what I'm about to talk about is um is all tabloids? I mean... Yeah... Okay, here we go. It's it's Unilad, but... I don't know. We'll... We'll deal with it today. People are apparently trying to free a murderer because he's too cute. Okay, social media user... I don't see how cute this man is when he's got eyes bugging outside of his head. Um... He's got the widest eyes I have ever seen. Like, the craziest eyes I've ever seen. So I don't see how anybody can think that that man is cute when he's already got murderer eyes. Um, This is why I just... I can't get with Gen Z. I can't. I, I can't understand why people have to be this way. Um, Oh my god, he's too cute to be in jail. Well, he's... Guess what? I'm sure the prisoners that he's going to be locked up with is going to think that he's really cute and his butthole's going to hurt. Okay. 
Okay, here's the article that I wanted to talk to you guys about. This murderer that is too cute to go to jail. Um, this is where we're at, people. In just the world today. Social media users are seemingly rallying around TikTok user who killed a mother and child arguing he deserves lesser lesser prison sentence um, because he's too cute. Cameron Heron was sentenced in April 2021 to 24 years in prison, six years short of the maximum of 30, after pleading guilty to killing Jessica... Uh, Robinault and a 20-month-old daughter, Lilia, by hitting them with his Ford Mustang while racing the car against another vehicle in Tampa, Florida in 2018. So, we already know that street racing is illegal, so that was stupid to do. Following the sentencing, numerous social media accounts began sharing posts including the words Justice for Cameron on the Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook pages of the 13th Circuit Court Hillsborough County State Attorney Andrew uh, and the Florida Department Corrections. Um, While on TikTok, many users called for a shorter sentencing for Heron, though many of these posts may not be from real people. One tweet says... I see this boy does not deserve this harsh sentence. He just made a mistake that he must pay for, but 24 years is not fair. We ask for a shorter time. Justice for Cameron Heron. Okay then. There has been a debate to whether many of these posts came from bots with experts online um, disinformation seeing Um, similarities to paid influence campaigns using fake accounts, according to the Tampa Bay Times. However, some users are attempted, or have attempted, to dispel this theory by writing their posts uh, that they are human. Um, Discussing the support around hair and TikToker, Hannah Koch recited some of the comments without uh, about his sentencing. One of which read, Poor boy, I hope they will forgive him. He looks innocent. He didn't do it on purpose. It doesn't matter if he did it on purpose or not. The fact is is that he murdered two innocent people. And the fact that he was doing something illegal makes him guilty. It. I don't care if the guy is cute or not. He deserves the sentence that he gets. Another person commented, You're too cute. I fell in love with a criminal. A lot of women, you know, fell in love with Ted Bundy, but, you know, they died. What the fuck? If you've seen this guy's face, like, all over TikTok, here's what's going on. His name's Cameron Heron. He hit and killed a mother and child going over 100 miles an hour during an illegal street race. He was recently sentenced to 24 years in prison. Now, people on the internet, and on TikTok specifically, think that this punishment's too harsh, and that he deserves a second chance. Here are some of the comments. Poor boy, I hope they will forgive him. He looks innocent. He didn't do it on purpose. No, it wasn't an accident. He doesn't deserve that. This one. You're too cute. I fell in love with a criminal. There's a petition going around with over 27,000 signatures to get him out of jail. And there's even people on TikTok using the hashtag imitating his look from the sentencing. Multiple people. 
That is disgusting. Koch went on to note that the thousands of Instagram or internet users, sorry, have gone so far as to sign a petition to get Heron out of jail, while some TikTok users have used the platform to imitate Heron's look for the sentencing. Stupid. The judge who delivered Heron's sentence said that the time that the TikTokers track record of excessive speeding contributed to his decision to give him 24 years in prison. If you have a story... Okay, yeah. So, the fact is, is that cuteness is not gonna get you out of freaking jail, stupid. I don't care. I really don't. I don't care about this guy. Um, I don't. The fact that he does have a record of speeding just shows me that he deserves jail time. Yes, he's a young kid, but it doesn't mean that young kids can't learn. You know, they can learn. Young kids are smart sometimes. Given it's Gen Z right now, and everybody believes that mental illness is an aesthetic, but besides all of that, I don't feel sorry for him. I don't care if he's adorable. I don't give a sh- Okay? I don't. And the fact that there are people trying to get him out just because he's cute? You're dumb as hell. Oh my god. Gen Z, ladies and gentlemen. think it's time for a well-needed break. What you think? Yes. Yeah? Okay. Okay, here comes the last one. It's from Daily Wire, and I thought it was kind of funny because of the title, but AOC, or Asiago Cortez. Okay, that's what we name her here. Because why not? No, but uh, Alexandria Acasio Cortez wants to sell her Tesla after Elon Musk teased her online. Aw, oh, poor baby. I'm not sorry for you. Representative Asiago Cortez uh, now wants to sell her Tesla following a uh, Twitter dust-up with uh, tech billionaire Elon Musk last month. So, the socialist, uh, the socialist darling bought a Model 3 Tesla back in 2020, uh, which now sell for about $46,990. But after Musk teased her online, she's singing a different tune. Okay, for one, um, she doesn't like billionaires, and she's saying you should tax the rich. She spent $46,990 on a Tesla. That's not cheap. Therefore, she must be rich to afford something like that. Am I wrong? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize it, but... She says, 
part of the context of what she's trying to really say is that tax all the Republican rich, not the Democrats, especially not her. But anyway, all the time it was the only EV that could get me from New York to Washington in like, or on like one or one and a half charges, AOC told Bloomberg News this week, which I would love to switch. Okay. It's whatever. Stupid. Let's see. It's... He's a billionaire. I could care less what he thinks. But the thing is... Astiago. Um... Then why'd you want to switch after you get teased online? Apparently you do care what he thinks. And you're trying to cover your ass by not actually having a Tesla, because therefore you would be supporting the billionaire if you had a fucking car from him, right? The hypocrisy is staggering. Asiago Cortez bought the Model 3 to travel between Washington to her Bronx, Queens district after COVID-19 hit in 2020. How could you afford something like that during the pandemic, ma'am? Crook. She a crook. She a stupid crook, but the now the New York representative wants to ditch it for an electric vehicle made by unionized workers. That's also kind of funny. Because they're... Never mind. I'm not gonna get into it. I don't think I'll ever forgive her for that. And it's not even on topic, so I'm not even gonna talk about it. I've talked about it before, but I'm not gonna do it. Last month, Musk teased her... Or teased the far-left representative after she complained online about billionaires... Uh, for the umpteenth time. Stop hitting on me, I'm really shy, Musk tweeted at AOC. (laughs) I like Elon Musk, he's funny. Um, The message was in reference to Asiago Cortez claiming her uh, detractors usually just want to date her. No, have you seen yourself, ma'am? You, mm-hmm. If I say the things that I want to say, I'll probably be labeled as racist because she's a woman of color. You look ugly. That's all I'm going to say. If Republicans are mad, they don't date me. They can just say that instead of projecting their sexual frustrations onto my boyfriend's feet. What? Ocasio-Cortez said of critics last year, yeah, creepy weirdos. <laughs> I'm sorry. Nobody wants your husband's feet. Nobody wants to even... No, shut up. They are making fun of you because... <laughs> okay, it's starting to get old, ignoring the very obvious, strange, and deranged sexual frustrations that underpin the Republican fixation on me, women and LGBT plus people in general, she added, these people clearly need therapy, won't do it, and use politics as their outlet instead. It's really weird. Uh. Ma'am, Asiago Cheese Cortez, 
bitch, no one cares about you. We don't even know where you came from. They just decided to pick you out of the raffle of dumbasses and put you in the representatives. So, yeah. No one cares about you. The world does not revolve around you. Asiago Cortez <laughs> rants about Republicans and their sexual frustrations came after the, uh, she was spotted dining out in Miami Beach as COVID-19 cases spiked in her district. <sighs> Glad to see AOC enjoying the Florida freedom and sunshine, but it's sad that school children in NYC are forced to eat lunch outside in freezing temperatures uh, this winter due to the draconian and useless COVID policies pushed by AOC and her fellow progressives. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says Republican. Okay. Spokeswoman Christina Peshaw told the Daily Wire following the report. Okay, welcome to Florida, AOC. Team DeSantis piled on a Twitter, on via Twitter. We have... Uh, I can't read now. <laughs> we hope you're enjoying the taste of freedom where here in the Sunshine State, thanks to Ron DeSantis' leadership, P.S., we recommend the Rock Shrimp Roll and the Oki Thai the next time you decide to dine in Miami. Cheers. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a feeling that I don't think it's... I don't think Elon is the one with the ego, ma'am. I think it's you. I think it is. Because why would you be complaining about men and women basically trying to sexualize you on Twitter when they're probably just making a joke to make you feel uncomfortable? Some people just troll, you know? No one cares about you. You came from the bottom of the barrel and you look like it too, so... Okay, so now we're gonna get into other things that are a little bit more fun. And the first thing that I want to talk about is Stranger Things Season 4. Oh. My. God. Um, I just want to say... Besides the storyline and besides the whole season being a mind blower. Beautiful. It's just incredible. But besides the plot, besides the story, besides all of that, the first thing that I want to talk about is the color scheme for not just season four, but for the whole show. I don't know if I've actually talked about this, but the first thing that I ever really notice is the color scheme in any type of movie or show. And I think that just comes from me being a painter. I, I, that's the first thing that I recognize is the color selection. And, um, the man who, hopefully, <laughs> I don't know, the uh, person that actually did the color scheme, his name is uh, Skip. And I don't know his last name, I feel really bad. But uh, Skip is a genius, I just want to say. Let me go look up his name real quick. I'm being lazy. Okay, correction. Skip is the one that did the color scheme. Tim Ives is the one that done the lighting. 
So Tim Ives and Skip were doing incredibly well with the deep blues and the pinkish reds that you see in Stranger Things. And I love that um, usually sci-fi, if you really look at different sci-fi movies or shows or anything like that, they have a very repetitive color scheme of this like teal-ish turquoise color and this golden amber. Um, And it's a very beautiful um, contrast between the colors. They work very well. But it's been used so many times, and the best part about Stranger Things, besides the most obvious things, is that the lighting and the colors of the lights are incredibly well done, and they're uniquely picked for this show. And it makes it so unique and so different, and... um I love that so much because uh, when I see something different, it's uh, eye-catching to me and uh, it's really, really cool. I'm not going to explain anything um, about the plot because if anybody um, hasn't seen season four yet, I can't tell you what we've watched, but I will say that there is so much more to the upside down than we ex- than we have ever really thought. Um, what we expected from the upside down is completely um, wrong. <laughs> what what we actually believe about the upside down is only scratching the surface of what is actually happening. Uh, I will say. Why is there a wasp trying to get into my house? But one thing I will say is, um... Season 4 is completely different than Season 3 or all the other ones. And I mean that because it feels like a complete... My husband is talking to his best friend right now. It feels like a completely different storyline, um, apart from all the other three seasons that we've, uh, seen so far. And it is weird. It is weird, it is incredible, it's exciting, and it's amazing. And that's all I can really say. Um, I'm really, really happy that one of my favorite, uh, characters is still there, (laughs) so... Yes, I'm not going to explain that or not going to tell you that because if I do, you guys guys are going to be like, why did you tell us that? Now I can't watch it. I'm just really happy. Okay, let's just go into the um, article. So, let's see here. Alright, Stranger Things 4 review. Too big for its own good. Yeah, it definitely is. Stranger Things 4, now streaming on Netflix, is bigger than before, that's for sure. Uh, Nearly every chapter in this seven-episode volume one is longer than 70 minutes, with Stranger Things Season 4, Episode 7, clocking it at 100 minutes. 
thanks to the three-year gap between seasons, the kids are now more grown up than ever. I can imagine some viewers being thrown by, some, by how some of the actors have outgrown their characters. And uh, they are so visibly bigger than Stranger Things uh, that Stranger Things 4 ends um, up using de-aging tech on teenagers for flashback scenes, uh, usually a tactic reserved for older actors such as Robert De Niro uh, in The Irishman or Samuel L. Jackson, Captain Marvel. While it revisits some old horrors in places, Stranger Things 4 also throws in more C CGI monsters at us. Yes. Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you. Brand new villain. Brand new villain. And good god. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, but in trying to be bigger, grislier, and longer than ever, Stranger Things 4, still run by creators Matt and Ross Duffer, aka the Duffer Brothers, uh, as head writers and primary directors, ends up feeling a lot like standard genre stuff um, of its ilk. I've never heard of that word. Ilk. Uh, but the bigger problem, though, isn't that the new season of the hit Netflix series is formu formulaic. Um, it is that it's in lacking in joy and humor. Okay, I want to say something. I don't think it's about joy and humor. It's about, for me, I feel like the whole group is just a coming-of-age story. And also, it's just got a um, sci-fi twist to it. Like a very deep sci-fi thriller twist to it. And... The reason why I like it that way is because uh, the lack of humor in it actually helps with understanding the characters more, if you understand what I mean. Like, it's fine if you want to have humor here and there. We've already, me and my husband have already, like, um, laughed about some things in season four because it is funny. It's just, that's not the main focus of season four, but Stranger Things season four is so immersed in its plot demands that it forgets what made the previous reason or seasons exciting. Uh, there are no mall hijinks, um, nor any Ghostbusters-type nostalgia. Attempts to liven up the proceedings on Stranger Things four are a few, far and between. And I think the reason because of that. Like I said, it's because we have seen already that humorous, slapstick, funny, silly hijink stuff before when they were younger. Now that they are growing up, things are getting more serious. And they need character development in the story. So, the highlight comes early into the season when a new character wonders how they plan to kill the giant and menacing new thing. Once again inspired by Dungeons and Dragons from the Upside Down Season 3. Um, Entrant Rob, Robin Buckley, or Maya Hawk, points out that they have been through this kind of thing before with some more than once 
unlike her. Mine was human flesh uh, related. Theirs was smoke related. (laughs) Robin says, Stranger Things 4 is essentially mocking itself. And now there's a new crazy thing every season. Uh, Steve Harrington or Joe Keery um, adds that they usually rely on this girl who has superpowers <laughs> and I can't say this never mind I'm not allowed to to an outsider the game looks completely crazy uh, Stranger Things 4 could have done with more of these self uh, referential moments Unfortunately, there are bigger problems owing to writing choices made this season or the last. Some characters have very little to do on Stranger Things 4. Uh, Others are entirely on their own or stuck in completely tangential subplots. The Netflix show's um, universe... The show's universe has expanded so much that rather than being a boon, it's a bane. I don't make- I don't understand that, but, uh... I still love it. (laughs) Stranger Things 4 feels disjointed, um, as a result. It takes a while to bring the gang back together, and those parts come across as spinning- the wheels. Um, I wouldn't go so far to call it table setting for the fifth and final season, but it is definitely bloat. I don't... the, the person's language as they describe this is just confusing. I enjoyed parts of Stranger Things 4 and I snoozed through other portions. Unfortunately, the latter significantly trumps the former in sheer amount. At times, it feels like Stranger Things 4 is more interested in subverting audience expectations than it is delivering a cohesive story where the ensemble is back together as a whole. See, that's what people expected, and I like that the Duffer Brothers... Why I ever decided to be a podcast host that isn't able to talk at times... I'll never know. (laughs) No, but that's what I like how the Duffer Brothers did this, is that, yes, it's a disjointed season compared to all the other seasons that we've seen because they are getting grown up, because they are grown up, because they are getting older, they are starting to mature in their own identity, in their own ways, as well as fighting this force that wants people dead. And that's what I like about it. That's just me. Um, But I feel like doing something that the viewers expect is just going to be boring. Why would you want to do the most boring thing, the most expected thing of you? The Duffer Brothers does this unexpectedly, and I love that. Of course, it doesn't help that the episodes are so long. I like that they're long, but whatever, if you want to complain about that. And while the seven-episode volume uh, one might look like 
roughly 80% of the way through season four. It's not. So the final two episodes are movie length, which director and executive producer Sean Levy uh, revealing they are longer than the two Ryan Reynolds movies, the action comedy Free Guy and Adam Project. Um, he's made during Stranger Things three uh, year hiatus. Also, he was working on those. Okay. Uh, that means volume one might be closer to being two thirds of the way through. That's a long endgame. But critics uh, weren't given access to them, so this review only pertains to volume one. Following the first eight minutes uh, that Netflix uh, has already revealed, in a media's rest tease, uh, whose mystery is solved much later into the new season, Stranger Things 4 jumps to present day, and by present day I mean 1986. Six months have passed since the Battle of the Starcourt Mall with Eleven, or Millie Bobby Brown. Uh, counting the days uh, she's been away from her boyfriend, Mike Wheeler. Let's see, via letter to Mike, she gives us a lowdown on what's going on with everyone in the family. Joyce Byers, uh, who took Eleven and her kids and Jonathan to California and end of Stranger Things 3. So, yeah, so we do have a little bit of spoilers in here, sorry about that. Um, and is working from home. Will has gotten into painting and Jonathan, uh, his new best friend, Argyle, <laughs> uh, they like to smoke smelly plants together, aka weed. And how long is this thing? This article is very, very long. Man, I don't want to read all of this. I'm mad now. <laughs> Give me a second. Because I feel like if I keep going, I'm just gonna... Uh, I'm gonna ruin it for you guys. But meanwhile, back in Hawkins, Mike is preparing to fly to California. Da-da-da-da-da. Okay, a series of deaths. Okay, yeah, no, we're not gonna keep going because there's a lot of spoils in, in there. So many. Of Stranger Things. You won't be sorry. Okay, I just saw this and it. Me and Derek were like, what the heck? Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey is a nightmare reimagining of the beloved bear. <laughs> a horror retelling of the famous legend of the Winnie the Pooh. So, oh bother. <laughs> oh bother. Oh bother. Winnie the Pooh just got real or, dark. Or, or, or maybe a oh, horror. <laughs> a new horror film, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, reimagines the beloved children's book character as a serial killer. Come on. Why do you gotta do that to Winnie the Pooh, man? Come on, man. What is he gonna do? Do an up-down, touch-the-ground satanic out. ritual? Maybe. Oh my god. <laughs> when I go up, down, touch the ground. Instead of honey, he wants blood. <laughs> like up, down, put you in the ground. 
Oh my god, not exactly a cozy bedtime story. Go the... up, down, put you on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh my I god. Shh, I don't play around. Tip, toe, out the door. <laughs> Three, four, better lock the door. Five, six, give me that honey, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> the indie horror title is currently in production by director Rice Frake Waterfield. <laughs> Quite a staggering uh, directorial uh, debut, if you ask me. The cast includes Craig David Doswit as Winnie and Chris Cordell as Piglet. <laughs> so, Winnie the Pooh and Piglet are basically serial killers. Okay. The um, other characters include Caged Man and Mauled Woman. Oh, that's nice. They don't even get names. <laughs> Just to give an idea of where they're going with this. So very sadistic and really crazy. Anyway, the film being made by the London-based Jagged Edge Productions. What they say? London-based. Okay. The Curse of Humpty Dumpty and The Legend of Jack and Jill. So it seems they've got um, form for putting a bloody take on childhood stories. So they've done this before with Jack and Jill and Humpty Dumpty. Oh. <laughs> you remember that preacher that I showed you? Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. <laughs> Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. <laughs> I sat on Sin's wall and had a great fall. Yo. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. But how are they able to make a Winnie the Pooh movie? Winnie the Pooh is almost synonymous with Disney um, that are at this point after the studio turned A.A. A. Uh, Milne's classic children's books into collection of movies uh, and the recent Christopher Robin film, until now Disney had the exclusive rights to the character. But Milne's work uh, entered the public domain earlier this year, meaning that anyone can now adapt those classic characters as they see fit. Oh. So basically, it's just fan fiction film. <laughs> we just weren't expecting it to get quite so dark so quickly. Uh, at the moment, details are scarce about the Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. <laughs> I kind of want to watch it just to see how crazy it'll get. But... <laughs> At the moment, details are scarce about the Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, and with no official synopsis uh, just yet, we don't really know what the film is about. Oh, However, no. from a batch of images, it looks as though Winnie and Piglet will be killers wearing these masks. So they took some of it from the purge, I see. Oh, so they're masks. Yeah, they're humans wearing, like, Winnie the Pooh masks and Piglet masks. I want to know where the heck is everybody else? Are you gonna do a Winnie the Pooh purge? That would Blood be interesting. And <laughs> Blood and honey. Okay. The film's IMDb page states that it's a horror retelling of the famous legend of the Winnie the Pooh. 
So, uh, whatever it turns out to be, it's definitely one to keep and keep your eye on. After all, um, it's not every day you see Winnie the Pooh with a hammer. Oh my god. What on earth? Aww. Look, look, look at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That don't even look like Winnie the Pooh. No. Oh my god. Why do you, you do Winnie the Pooh like that? Yeah, <laughs> hey, so let's, uh, Jim Carrey would agree to play the mask again under one condition. One of Jim Carrey's most iconic roles from his early mid-90s movie star Hot Streak is... Uh, Stanley Ipkiss, uh, the mil, the milk toast. What? How the fuck? How the freak do you say that? Milkway, mil, whatever. We're not even. That's not a word. The cartoon nut who gains supernatural powers after donning the enchanted mask in the comedy, The Mask. <laughs> um. The part was perfect for Carrie, who has always been something of a live-action cartoon character on his own. I agree. Um, with the aid of the extremely 90s uh, special effects, he gets to literally become uh, one in 1994 film co-starring Cameron Diaz and Peter Riegert um, today. They, the mask remains one of the more memorable titles in its expansive filmography. So, okay, hang on. I've got so many ads on this website, it's crazy. Let's see. Given that it has been a fair few decades since the mask debuted in theaters, it... Man, I hate ads, I swear to God. It would also seem to be perfect, a perfect fit for a sequel, the original movie based on the Dark Horse comic book series, which is often a good starting place. Uh, and while there was more, there was a 2005 sequel to the movie Son of the Mask, starring Jamie Kennedy, um, it fell short I'm, I'm really hating these pop-ups. Please forgive me, but these pop-ups are starting to drive me nuts. Though it fell short of the live wire energy Carrie brought to the character, as evidenced by the Rotten Tomatoes score, um, the problem is that the comedy legend has been seemingly averse to the idea of reprising the role. But in an interview to promote its turn as Dr. Robotnik in 2020's uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, um, let's see, Carrie was asked about the possibility of doing a second installment of The Mask, and his answer wasn't entirely on the negative. He said, The topic of whether or not Jim Carrey would do the second Mask movie came up in an interview with ComicBook.com, January 2020, Carrie expressed his uh, general apathy towards. I hate these pop-ups. Oh my god, I'm really hating this. Okay. Um, 
He said, I don't think in terms of sequels and stuff like that, I mean, this one, Sonic the Hedgehog, is kind of right for it because we have not evolved the character fully yet. Funnily enough, Carrie would be proven correct with the 2022 sequel, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, um, where, let's see, his character gets a lot more to do. Okay. Let's see, Carrie then went on to express that his interest in doing The Mask 2 would depend on the filmmaker involved. Yep. Yeah, The Mask, I think, my, myself, you know it, would depend on the, a filmmaker. It depends on the filmmaker, really. I don't want to do it just to do it, but I would only do it if it was some crazy visionary filmmaker, sure. Explained the rubber face star of Dumb and Dumber <laughs> and Ace Ventura Pet Detective. <laughs> um, if his answer sounds familiar, it mirrors a very similar attitude Carrie expressed about the sequel of Ace Ventura in an April 2022 interview with E! Online. This time to promote, ironically enough, the sequel to Sonic the Hedgehog. He again said that he would only want to return to this iconic character if a visionary Helmer was directing it. It just depends if uh, that director has the same vision as the original one that did the movie. The original movie. So, yeah, I understand that. Um, only this time he named a specific film uh, filmmaker Christopher Nolan. Oh, shit. <laughs> that oh, my God. Yes. Oh, shit. Uh, from oh. both answers separated by two years, it's clear that Carrie isn't interested in doing any of the follow-ups to The Mask or Ace Ventura without some directional vision. Yeah, because sometimes I feel like sequels can be trash if they're not directed well. Listen, bro. If that nigga did a sequel to The Mask Bro. <laughs> the Mask franchise. I feel, like, I feel like the Mask, like nowadays, it would. I think it would kind of evolve better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think so too. I think Cameron Diaz would do it too. Yeah. That would be nice. He can give me some cha cha. Oh my god. Chick chick a boom, chick chick a boom, chick chick a boom. My name is Cuban Pete. <laughs> <laughs> The Masked franchise did receive a spin-off of the 2020, the 2000. I have never actually seen it. The it's Son of the Mask. Trash. It is probably trash because it doesn't it have trash. Jim Carrey in it. I see it's trash. All right, <laughs> 6% rating on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Despite the poor showing, The Mask creator Mike Richardson spoke. Uh, with Forbes in 2019 about the revisiting a franchise, albeit with a different person donning a green mask. Can you not pop up? This is taking twice as long. Because there's an ad about awkward family photos, mature audiences only. Makes no sense. Just smack dab in the middle of the article. 
<laughs> I have one in mind, but I'm not gonna say her name. We have to do it. We have to do a lot of convincing for this particular actor, and we'll see. You never know how it's uh, coming in the future. Uh, we have some ideas. Richardson kept mum about who the actress would be, what but actress? they're just thinking about like a, an actress that would be acting in the second sequel. As a female? Yeah. Like, they're bouncing off ideas, so I'm so guessing it could have been Cameron Diaz at a time, but... But there is precedent in the comics for someone else to put on the mask in the event of Carrie doesn't return. For example, the Hunt for Green October storyline from 1995 sees a young girl named Emily Tuttle putting on the artifact to gain its supernatural powers in the process she gets back at some of her schoolyard bullies. Oh, oh that would be interesting to they see would though. Have to have a funny person as like Jim Carrey to like Rebel like, Wilson. Fuck no man. <laughs> I wouldn't go to that track. No, I'm saying like mainstream would probably go to her. I don't like her that much, but I'm saying mainstream would say, oh Rebel Wilson's funny, let's get her in there. But she's not funny she's She's dumb. She's stupid funny. She's not even like Jim Carrey was. He he was fucking funny. Like yes. I'm just gonna say this right now. Mark is my witness. <laughs> Adam Sandler. Yes. There is nobody else. Yes. Who I would. Who I would. That would. That's it. That's it. Uh-huh. It got it. Or Jack Nick. But Jack Nicholson's too old. Now come on, he would do it though. That nigga would be crazy still. <laughs> He'd be crazy. <laughs> One of the great things about the mask is that anybody can get it. So you can do a story about anyone and you could cast any comedian in the role uh, while someone else could certainly lead a new mask movie. No doubt fans would love to see Carrie back in the part only time will tell who will become the next mask in live action if it even happens at all. Or, or you could do it as a, <coughs> like a teenage boy, he gets bullied maybe. Mm-hmm. But you can throw him up as a character with the mask. Kind of like Spider Man when he got his powers. Yeah. Keep it like. They were talking about how one of the comic book strips actually indicated that there was a girl. That would put the mask on. No, it's not about a feminist it is, role. It is. Some women can have a lead role. It's I'm fine. Of these bitches. Babe, look. Nope. I'm recording. <laughs> Do you want this public? No. Oh my god! <laughs> so, you actually didn't think that I was recording. I did. I just kept talking. Uh, no, we're just having fun here, guys. Uh, so yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna go to the next article, I guess. Okay, so. I haven't done world news in a very long time because usually around this time I just get really tired and I quit. But today, 
Oddly enough, I have enough energy to do three world news segments. So, stop mimicking me. Jesus. Terrence, I'm gonna smack you. <laughs> uh, the first one is Norway, so let's go. <laughs> You're a jerk. Why is my screen black? <laughs> what? I don't know what happened. Okay then, give me a second. We're having technical difficulties here in the Rogue Radio Bomb Shelter. <laughs> the bomb shelter? <laughs> I made myself as an anime character since I'm faceless to all of my listeners. So, she lives in a bomb shelter while she does her recording. Yes. Okay. Just before midnight on Friday, the police in Troms moved out by hel helicopter to deal with a problematic man in Karlsoy north of Tromso. I hope I said those right. I probably didn't. The man made threats, used violence, drove a stolen car without valid driver's license, and driving under the influence. He was also in possession of drugs, um, the Troms police district announced. There are several victims in the case. Operations manager Carl Eric Tomlinson told NTV. The man is in his 30s, been, has been arrested, and the police have questioned witnesses. Fairies were not uh, an option at night, and people who live there are entitled to the same police protection as people who live in more central areas. When it comes to such serious actions, the prioritize, we prioritized providing the police service, Tomlinson said while explaining the police used a helicopter. Oh, okay. That that's pretty much it. That's the whole that's the whole story. Some man just went crazy in Tromsø. So, hey, <laughs> Okay, babe, pick a country. Does Russia? Yeah, Russia listens to me. Okay, we'll do Russia. Probably gonna be talking about the Russian and Ukrainian war. I don't really want to repeat myself on that stuff. Let's talk about Stranger Things. I already Where did. I, <laughs> I totally forgot the Russians are in Stranger Things. Oh no. Russia news today. I already talked about Stranger Things though. While I was in the living room and you were talking to your friend. Oh, I didn't even touch anything and this came up. I don't want anything from the Washington Post. Let me give me a second. No CNN, no CNNBC. No Al Jazeera. The Moscow Times? You know what, let's try that. I don't even know if that one's real or not. Moscow Times. The Russian army won't stop at Donbass. Pro-Kremlin 
groups hail uh, advances in Ukraine. Russian troops are reported to be attempting um, an encirclement of Ukrainian forces in the city of Sever... These dang ads. Severodonetsk. I don't even know what... I don't... I can't pronounce that right. Do I have to click on the article to, to <coughs> read it? Okay. I don't want to contribute anything right now. This whole thing is a planned thing. Thank you for the sound effects, honey. <laughs> Moscow backed separatists. I have Okay. Announced that the capture Friday was the strategic Ukrainian town of Linman as the gathering pace of Russian advance in eastern Ukraine was cheered by a pro-Kremlin online group. Okay. Um, the claim followed uh, days of intense fighting in Linman, which lies in... Uh, on a road leading to the major eastern Ukrainian cities of Slovastnik and Krom Kramatorsk. Uh, unverified footage uh, realized uh, released earlier this week showed the Russian flag being raised over the local government building. Moscow's forces have been making uh, steady gains in the Ukrainian regions of the Donetsk's <coughs> and the Luhansk in recent days, according to the Ukrainian officials, sparking fears that Russian troops will soon be able to achieve the encirclement of large Ukrainian towns, including Lysikansk. And Severodstiniks. I probably got those wrong. I know I did. Sorry. Soldiers stormed. <laughs> I'm supposed to be serious here. <laughs> I'm sorry. This whole thing is the serious, serious thing. <laughs> We're just in rare form right now. <laughs> Russian soldiers stormed the hotel in the northeast parts. <laughs> Why? Why? I don't understand. This is what happens when you get married, people. It's beautiful. It's wonderful, isn't it, baby? Oh. <laughs> what the hell was that? Oh. <laughs> I'm done! I'm done! I can't! Oh my god. Listen. <laughs> Be serious. Okay. <laughs> Be serious. Okay, sorry. Russian soldiers stormed. 
<laughs> Damn! Okay. Russian soldiers stormed a hotel in the northeast part of Severodstinix and Luhansk region. Uh, Governor Serhei Hadai tweeted Friday, The report of military advances in newly captured territory in eastern Ukraine have delivered a rare boost to those who support Russia's military campaign, leading to the sense of victory among pro-Kremlin bro bloggers. Pro-Kremlin bro- I can't say that. Say it. Pro-Kremlin bloggers. Pro-Kremlin broccoli. Oh, there it was. And those loyal to Moscow. Perhaps now we are witnessing a turning point in the war. The administrator of pro-Kremlin telegram channel Vioni Ozvedimitel, which was 451,000 subscribers and told the Moscow Times after a loss of Donbass, the Ukrainian army may finally start to crumble. Uh, while Ukraine controlled 10% of the Luhansk region just over a week ago, the figure is now about 5%, Hadai said Thursday. It is clear that our boys are slowly retreating to more fortified positions. We need to hold back uh, this horde. Uh, videos of Ukrainian forces retreating uh, westward in a ferocious Russian bombardments were widely shared online this week. In particular, Russia has um, positioned a large number of troops and equipment around the village of pa Papasana? Papan Papasana. Papasana, okay. Where it recently achieved a breakthrough attempting to maximize its firepower in a small sector of the front. Um, by concentrating its forces on its on this in this way I can't read anymore now uh, Russia has been able to make some territorial gains according to the Robert according to Robert Bell former NATO official and the professor at George Georgia Tech Institute okay before we start talk before we start before we finish this article I will say the reason why I choose not to talk about this Russian and Ukrainian war thing is because, for one, it's fixed. I know not everybody's going to have that opinion. You can choose the Russian side, the Ukrainian side, whatever you choose, whatever makes your heart flutter with dignity, go ahead and do it. But the thing is, is that I choose neither. I... I have questionable opinions about Putin, but I also do not trust Zelensky, so um, forgive us if we don't take this seriously. We don't take it seriously because we don't believe that it's completely true. How many times have you heard about the Ukrainian war since it started? Stop. This is why I can't do anything serious around you, Jesus. Um, 
We haven't heard anything about the the Russian and Ukrainian war. We haven't heard anything new about it. You actually have to find and research it for yourself. Because we've heard about it once it started, but then when it at some point it just kind of dropped off the earth. So therefore, there's more things that the media doesn't want you to see. And plus, I also believe that Biden, Kamala, Asiago, Cheese, Cortez, the Clintons, the Obamas, they all have bank accounts there. And like I said, I have said this before in my child trafficking episode, that child trafficking is very rampant in Ukraine, and Zelensky knows it. So, I don't support Ukraine for those many reasons. All right. They support the crooks in America, and they also support child trafficking and other things that I cannot talk about. So, they were successful a battle of for Severodskidex. I don't even know. Severodonetsk. There we go. Uh, would likely look like Maripool on a smaller scale, according to Nicholas on von Twickle. Nick- <laughs> Trinkle. <laughs> Nicholas von Twickle from OSCE staff member who reached, researches Donbass region. Okay. Uh, thousands of civilians were killed in the bloody and destructive. Re- Russian siege of Mariupol and Ukrainian port city, uh, which uh, finally fell earlier this month. The siege of Severotskindex, we're going to call it that because I cannot pronounce it, uh, would give Russia almost uh, complete control of the Luhansk region, one of the objectives set by the Kremlin Uh, when Russian President Vladimir Putin ordered Russian troops over the Ukrainian border in late February. Supporters of the Kremlin's uh, special military operation have taken to social media in recent days to voice a sense of optimism for the continued Russian advance. Uh, Most likely the Russian army won't stop at Donbass, said the Vioni... Avenstimel administrator who declined to give a name. Uh, no matter how much uh, the other side tells us they are, they've killed Russian special forces, paratroopers, and marines, and uh, Chechens, and all the other elite units of DNR and LNR. Look at we look at what we see now. <sighs> Writer and extreme nationalist Zankar Prep. Prel- Prilipin posted on Telegram after a bungled attempt to take Kiev. Uh, Kiev? Is it Kiev or Kiev? It's Kiev. I've heard it. Anyway. Uh, in the early days of the war, Russia was forced to scale down its ambitions in Ukraine, regrouping its forces in the east in what looks like an attempt to capture the Donbass region in its entirety. 
the Ukrainian army is taking serious casualties and Ukrainian president Voldemort Why did that It's Voldemort Zelensky <laughs> He who was not be named <laughs> The boy who lived has come to die <laughs> oh. <laughs> No, it's Vol Volodymyr. Volodymyr! Zelensky, it's too close to Voldemort. Uh, said Sunday that up to 100 Ukrainian soldiers were dying every day. I'm going to get blasted from this episode. The Russian army has been trying to wear the Ukrainians down for three months now, so there must be some tall toll taken in... Uh, the Ukrainian army said analyst Bell. Let's see. The Russian armed forces have the upper hand in terms of momentum on the battlefield according to Oleski uh, Arestinvich in the Ukrainian presidential advisor. Okay. <sighs> we have now lost the Russian army in terms of pace. The Russian side managed to accumulate reserves uh, earlier than we did, she said, um, Wednesday in an interview with YouTube Now, Fagin Live. I'm pretty sure I mispronounced that too. I'm really bad at pronunciation, so forgive me. Uh, while the Ukrainian side expects the situation to improve in the long run, um, Erostyanvich stress that the Ukrainian forces have a difficult month ahead as they wait to be reinforced with Western weaponry and new recruits. Russian troops will likely move quickly to capitalize on Ukraine's weakness against, or analyst says. Okay. Uh, Russian forces may need to conduct a ground offensive on Severodonetsk in the upcoming days in or to maintain their pace. I can't read, I swear to God. Um, said a report published Wednesday by the Institute of the Study of War, a U.S. think tank. A battle for control in Severodonetsk uh, would likely be a costly for both be costly for both sides, according to Bell. I don't even feel like rereading this thing, but we're just going to keep plowing through. Um, <clears throat> who predicted that Russian victory uh, in the eastern Ukrainian city would mean Ukraine uh, had to pull its forces back to consolidate their lines. While these uh, gains may deliver a boost to Russian troops and lift morale among the supporters in Russia, Bell said they should not be overstated. Um, when assessing the overall course of the fighting. Ukraine may be forced to give up uh, incriminately uh, more territory in Luhansk, but even then, that's a long way from being a decisive battle of the war, said Bell. Okay, so I know that me and my husband were kind of joking around at the beginning of this uh, little segment. Please forgive us. We're just in a rare form today. We're very, very silly. Um, we do realize that this is a very serious topic yeah, at sorry. the surface. 
Yes. We're sorry. <laughs> and sorry if I offended anybody. I didn't mean to. <laughs> no, don't be sorry. We don't we don't say sorry about offending people. Then, yes. No, we don't. We just know that it is a very serious topic. And yes, sometimes we're just me and my husband were just silly on here, so um yeah. That's it. That's all.